That's thenorm.com. JD Locke is the ex-DJ with multiple talents, future-proofing herself by attracting luck. She is the anti-fool. Welcome to the Anti-Fool Podcast. This is where we deconstruct the wisdom of people from all fields, backgrounds, and walks of life. My role is simple. I play the fool, I ask the questions, and you get the answers. Our guest is the Anti-Fool, the source of wisdom who we will learn from today. I'm on a mission to create the antidote to foolishness, so we can understand the world and ourselves better. Wonderful stuff, right? So... Shall we? <laughs> Hello there. This is the king of all fools, Norm here. Welcome to the show. How hard is it to make a career transition? It is very difficult to be able to do so. You need to have applicable skills to be able to present yourself, articulate the different talents and work experiences that you've had throughout your years in many different industries and presenting that in a great manner when trying to dive into, say, tech. And in this case, we will be looking at an overview of the media industry here in Malaysia, diving into ad tech, as is the journey of J.D. Locke. J.D. Locke started her career in media as a radio DJ and has worked as a TV host, MC, voiceover talent, writer, producer, and artist booking manager. And now she is working in the ad tech industry in Singapore. There's a wide variety of industries and fields, but these all have common patterns and skills that she has learned throughout her time, starting from quitting law school to become a DJ on a Malaysian radio program. We talked about how she broke into the media industry from university. We talked about the different intricacies of radio, the field itself, how the presenters communicate with each other, and the closeness of the communities and the audio industry here in Malaysia. And we talked about her times transitioning from position to position, job to job, until she landed a career in tech, out from a traditional industry into a forward-thinking one, overseas in Singapore. This conversation is very informal. We look into an entire journey of what JD has experienced since coming out of university to start off in the media industry. As we go through all the different barriers, the obstacles, the struggles, the bosses from hell, we take a look at the lessons and wisdoms that we can pull out in the moments that she shared with us. Just letting you know that this time, it's a wide range. And I hope that you can learn a lot from someone who has paved their own path to their own career, making all kinds of content in many different forms. So, without further ado, let's play the fool and learn from the wise by diving into my chat with JD Locke. I know that you find it pretty difficult to try to explain the fact that you're doing all these things for, like, for example, being an ambassador for Fred Perry or emceeing yeah. events or doing photo shoots or, you know, <laughs> dressing in red uh, for amazing poses uh, for, for pictorials, etc. I'll try and give you good anecdotes because, yeah, <laughs> it's been a fun ride. It's been weird and sometimes dramatic, but it's been fun. Okay, so I'll give you the TLDR download, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I actually went to law school. I was doing my undergrad. I did first year law. And one day, Fly FM had this, they called it Flydol. Very original name, of course. Uh, but basically, it was a nationwide DJ search, right? Um, we don't really call ourselves DJs because we don't spin. We're more like radio announcers. Okay, so basically, Flydol had the search. 
And it was to be the partner for this guy called Hafiz, who's still on fly in the morning now. Yep. Okay. So, so I want, like, I, I heard the ad many times. I wasn't like a super obsessive radio listener. I was like a radio, I, like you drive and then you listen to the radio. So I kept hearing this ad, right? And then they would play people auditioning like fake auditioning or real auditioning, I don't know. But like they would play snippets of people going like, hey, the DJ would go, hey, why don't you try to be a fly from DJ? And how would you do it? And then they would give it their bit, right? And it'd be so terrible. <laughs> it'd be so bad. <laughs> and I kept hearing these different people do it to the point that I was like, yeah, I bet I could do it. Like I bet I could do it better than these people. But it was like a passing thought. It didn't like actively... Because I wanted to be a lawyer, right? So, like, I was just like, and I, oh, I actually, okay, I forgot this part. I did radio as a child. Um, oh. When I was, like, 10, 11, I think 11, uh, um, RTM, back then it was called Radio 4, now it's called Tracks of M. So, Radio 4 did this thing. There was this lady called Philomena. She had a show called, like, Kids Hour. Um, she had auditioned us in my school and I went to like a public school in Subang. So not very exciting. Right. But somehow auditioned in school. And it's funny because when I was in primary school, I was also on this MTV seven game show. So like there were things happening, right. This was like years and years ago. This is yeah. like more than 20 years ago. No, 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 less than 20 years ago. I'm not that old. Sorry. So about 20 years ago, <laughs> all these people and radio stations and TVs or whatever would come to my school and it, audition kids and then I was on TV and then I was on radio. So, so these were things that I did. Right. But like, also you also kind of feel like, Oh yeah, I did that as a child. Um, my mom had to drive me to Ankasapuri, Right. And like complain about traffic or whatever. So this was like ages ago. So I kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, like 20 and I was in law school and, um, fly FM heard out all these bad auditions and thought I could do it. Right. But I like didn't really actively want to go. Right. So I told my friend about it and she really wanted to go. And she was like, let's go for this audition. Cause they were having open auditions. And the thing about radio is I think even until today, it's very hard to get an open audition. You usually have to know somebody to know somebody and then you find your way in. Right. So she wanted to go. I was half hearted about it. Right. Mm. They gave you, so they give you this sheet of paper with two scripts and they tell you to prep because you're waiting like an hour or whatever. Cause the first one was a bit that I edited and it was about whether or not Lady Gaga was a hermaphrodite. Right. But how do you say that? Yeah. Yeah. So like okay. 2010 was a wild time, right? Like you're probably too young to know, but people used to think that Lady Gaga was a man and it was like, celebrity gossip right and then they were like read the other one and i was like oh you guys said to only read one and then <laughs> so then i read the other one and they're like okay thanks so i was like okay bye right like <laughs> and then and then i got the call back they shortlisted five people it was this whole thing um and then i have to go home and tell my mom like oh i'm gonna skip class tomorrow to go to this thing <laughs> And she was like, what? She was not having <laughs> And I was like, um, yeah, so a few days ago, I auditioned. Uh, okay, so anyway, I win this competition and the job, the, the prize is the job. So that's how I got into radio. Two years at Fly FM, 
I left and I went back to university because like, cause I dropped out of school for radio. So it's time to finish school, right? Yeah. And get that over and done with. So I went to business school. I did my pre in law and business. So it was like, yeah, either or, right? Or both. So I went to business school and then business school was boring. Not the content in itself being boring, but it's like academically, and I'm not saying this in like a braggy way. Academically, it's not that difficult. Like mm. I wouldn't say I'm a superstar A student, but I'm definitely not like, I'm aware of what's going on. <laughs> right? so, so school starts getting a little boring. I do a part-time stint as um, a research assistant to this orthopedic surgeon who was also a lecturer at the university. Already like way off like what I was studying, but you know, I was trying to make money. And then I ended up working kind of like full-time in a way for the star as a writer. I had written for them before. I did the whole Bratz thing as a teenager. So like, okay, got a job at the star. So I was now in university full-time writing for the star full-time and, <laughs> and doing some random like research assistant work, right? And it got to a point where I was like, oh no, I'm making more money while I'm studying. That was me for a few years. I was so eager to finish school because I wanted to go back to radio. So this is the thought that I had, which I feel like it's kind of useful. Like it's, I used to read all these like job listings about, you know, like all these job listings and I would see what the requirements were. And I was always just trying to find out ways to like piece enough pieces together to meet these requirements. So like, oh, if someday I ever wanted to do this, I have this, 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 this in my pocket, right? So that was basically what I was trying to do the entire time I was in university. Two and a half years, graduated early because I was like desperate to like get out of there. Like what I wanted to do happened. I finished school and went back to radio. So I was now on Red FM, which is also owned by The Star. So I basically had a department transfer as opposed to yeah. like, you know, getting a new radio job. But uh, yeah, so writing was interesting because it's also, again, very different. So you're coming up with content, right? But it's very different to radio. Radio is all about, oh, 30 seconds on this. Don't repeat the same words. Try to sound excited because you work on top 40s radio, right? But Red FM was adult contemporary. So the tone was slower. The mood was different. We would play like music from the 90s. So Red FM was a good thing. Like I had a lot of fun at Red FM. I went from like killing myself with like two jobs to working four hours a day. <laughs> it was fun. So I used to work like 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. And I would go and watch like movies on a Wednesday night at 11.30 p.m. And I remember like once even the girl at the counter was like, do we have to work tomorrow? <laughs> my friends were like bums like we seemed like we were bums right yeah so that was that was fun so red fm was really fun red fm closed down so this is where this is where things start to shift red fm closes down part of me hopes your podcast gets really famous because like that'd be good for you but part of me hopes it doesn't because i don't want people to hear what i'm about to say about them but <laughs> so red fm closes down we go to this meeting and they tell us that like oh your last day is at the end of the month Right? So you suddenly have nine radio announcers without a job. You also have very limited English radio stations in Malaysia. And then everybody knows everybody. It's a very small industry. Jumping is hard. Some people have burnt bridges. Some people, you know, it's like it was a whole thing, right? Nine of us were texting the same station managers from other stations 
all at the same time. We go to this meeting, then we go for coffee, and we're all at coffee trying to reach out to these people. And all these other guys play it cool. They're like, hey, let's do lunch. And then the station manager from like Astro will be like, oh, what's up, bro? And they'd be like, oh, nothing much. Like, let, let's catch up, right? And like, they were all trying to play it cool. I, I went with a very different approach. I said, hi, we've all lost our jobs. The station is closing down. I need, I need a job, right? And I got an immediate response. So this guy who used to be head of one of the bigger stations, he just said, no, JD, like, you know, my lineup is full. I don't have work for you. Go to this other station. So I go to the other station. I get hired on the spot. So basically, among the nine of us, I'm the only one who found a new job immediately, right? Which was exciting at first, but haha, hot just It was a terrible, it was the worst. It was easily the worst job I've ever had in my life. It was a real me too situation. It's not very hard to find out which station I worked at after Red FM, but this is a story I tell everybody. I go to the station. And they go, oh, I don't have an announcer job for you. I have a producer role for breakfast. And I, I stupidly take it because I felt like, yeah, I need a job, right? And I go to work. On the very first day, they go, oh, the night, the night announcer is leaving. Has just left. The night announcer has just left. You have to cover her shift. Obviously, in radio, you have to give six months notice when you're leaving. Yeah. If you're an announcer, not if you're like in like a corporate role right obviously they've known for months that this woman was leaving and they tricked me into taking this producer role because they knew they could make me do two jobs for the price of one see like you see the twist in this so or like already i'm not happy doing this but i still suck it up and then the the station manager and the music director are like terrible like they're the worst human beings in radio right <laughs> so, so i don't even know how to so they started ragging on me because I wouldn't comply to a lot of things. I kept asking to get paid overtime. I was like, look, if you want me to be an announcer, you got to pay me as an announcer. I'm not coming to work at 4 a.m. only to have to come back here at 8 p.m. You know, like a lot, of, a lot of it was terrible. And they would start accusing me of making faults that I didn't do. Example, uh, like an ad being paid at the wrong time or like one announcer on the show I was producing said the wrong thing. And I'm kind of like, I can't control what these idiots say. Like, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was just a very bad situation. And it got so terrible to the point that I complained to HR and they wouldn't do anything. And I threatened to like set things on fire because I was like, no, I want to quit. And they were like, oh, you have to serve two weeks. And I was like, no, I'm going to start like writing shit up because then you'll have to fire me, right? And they were like, okay, okay, no, 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 don't do that. So I quit in six weeks. I was like, I don't need this. I have some money. Like why, you know, HR is not being helpful. I took screenshots of text messages of this boss bullying me and they did nothing. Okay, It was like, it was a terrible place. So now I'm out of a radio job, right? And it was like, oh no, I need to do something else. So thankfully, shout out to my friend, Christina. She got me a job at this company called Freeform that does Urban Skates Festival. I don't know if you know it. Yeah. So I, I, doing, I know. Yep. Yeah. So I did Urban Skates and then suddenly I had some festival experience in my pocket. At Urban Skates, I was doing the food vendor thing. And then I went to Livescape. I did I did artist bookings. That was really fun. We booked a lot of artists for the show Rockaway Festival, like the Scorpions and Taking Back Sunday and Darkness. Yeah. So it was kind of fun. 
So now I had event experience out of necessity from quitting my radio job. So this is where I get a little lucky and it's a little serendipitous, but I was seeing this guy who had moved from KL to Singapore. We're not with each other anymore, but he had moved to Singapore and he was always kind of like pressuring me to move to Singapore. There wasn't a real reason for me to move to Singapore. I had auditioned with radio stations here a couple of times, but it never went through. And I think Singapore, especially, and this is not like criticism. This is just like observation, right? Your announcers tend to be more famous in other departments, like they're on TV or they're like Instagram famous or something, which is like, that's what they want in Singapore. So I didn't get on to Singaporean radio. But one day I was in Singapore with this guy that I was dating and we were having dinner with his friends. And one of them is this lady who was a vendor for Google. She used to organize a YouTube fan fest. So we're having dinner and then she goes, oh, what are you up to these days? And that was when I was freelancing. Oh my God, like I've forgotten what I was doing. So after I left Livescape, I was freelancing. I was doing the whole voiceover TV hosting thing. But like when you're freelancing, it's just like gigs, right? It's every other odd job. So sometimes you're free for three weeks. Sometimes you're working every day for five weeks, which is fun and exciting, but inconsistent, right? I was in Singapore, we were having dinner. She asked, oh, what are you doing these days? I said, oh, just freelancing, right? And then she goes, oh, do you have any event experience? Because I know Google is looking to hire uh, somebody for events on contract, right? And then a guy is dating. He goes, yes, 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 JD can do this. She can do that. She did you know, all these things, right? And she was like, oh, if you'd like, I'd put in a word for you, right? And at that time, I didn't know how like influential she was. <laughs> so for context, her name is Sammy. Uh, and she runs Sammy Shira Moore. And she runs... Music Matters, which is this annual music conference in Singapore as well, right? So she, like, was up there, right? Like, from a random dinner conversation, right? So she then puts my name in the hat. I get an email and saying, like, oh, do you want to interview for this job at Google? Please send over all your details. It's a contract role. I have to clarify that contract roles and full-time roles at Google are very different, and the requirements are, like, very, very different. But it's, like, a foot in the door, right? I interviewed at Google, didn't get it. For six months, I was still just freelancing, hosting, doing. When you're freelancing as a talent, you want to do as much as you can. So I was writing, doing voiceovers, emceeing events, and hosting a few TV shows. I did two tours. I did one uh, motorsport tour, and I did one MMA tour. Well, not tour, MMA tournament that went on consistently right? And then after six months, I get an email from the same people again, who are vendors for Google. And they're like, not sure if you're still interested. Uh, we have basically the same role, but for a different department, right? So I go do that. I get offered a three month stint, which I almost didn't take because I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and move to Singapore for three months and like, move back? Like, how will I live in Singapore? Like, what are the visa restrictions? Like, there were so many. So I almost didn't do it, right? But I did. So my first event for Google was um, this global summit. And then three months became five months, five months became seven months. I guess I live here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Google, I think once you have Google on your resume, even though it's a contract stint, it was substantially helpful to my career. But I must say, that I feel like I would have been in a higher corporate position than I am in today had I not 
detoured and done the whole media thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I might have been thriving in media if I stuck with it. And I might have been, like, some global boss by now if I'd just gone into, like, corporate tech to begin with. Would you have preferred to be in tech from the very beginning? No, so no, I'm kind of happy like with the way things went. But I, I, I yeah. must admit that I am not the most focused person when it comes to my career. There's nothing and wrong with that. <laughs> first, right? Now I have all this experience in my pocket, but I also am not making as much money as I should. <laughs> yeah. But with the uh, amount of, shall we say, like the varied skills that you picked up, like from this gig here or this position there and all that. Yeah. I feel like you've covered a lot of bases already now that you have a like a tech career yeah, yeah, yeah. in so, Singapore. So, yeah, it does, and then it does help when you go for interviews and then you explain yourself and you go like, oh, you don't have like eight years of digital marketing experience. And you're like, yeah, but I have like a lot of years in other content experience. I think a lot of it is transferable, but you have to get the opportunity to explain yourself. I'll give you an example and I'll tell you that they don't ever list these things right. But if I'm not mistaken, and you can check these statistics up, for every role they advertise at Google full-time, not like contract, right? They have like 4,000 applicants, you know? So it's like, what are the odds of anyone ever seeing? They say they read all of them, but like you always want to get the referral and you want, you know, you want your resume boosted to the top to like for somebody to see it. What I've done has been kind of like luck. Like, mm. oh, you need a connection to get into radio. I don't know anybody, but they had an open audition, right? You need a connection to get into like Google. And I, I, I got one. Yeah. So if you were to maybe, let's, let's just go back to the beginning a little bit. If you want to try okay. to tap into the media industry, at least in Malaysia, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the fool, right? I don't nothing about the media industry here, right? And I want to connect with the people there, right? The network people. You said that a lot of them know each other, right? Because it's such a yeah. small world and it's a small but well-connected world. From your case or from your perspective, what's the best way to get that foot in the door? Or what's the best way to network? Like, how should I are start? We, are we talking 2010 or are we talking 2020? We are because talking 2020. Let's go with 2020. Because, because I think if I were 20 years old now in 2020, mm. I would not care about the opinions of network executives because they are, for the most part, the dying industry. Like, like nobody wants to be on radio anymore. They want to be on podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> nobody wants to be on TV anymore. They want to be on YouTube. They want to be on TikTok. Like, I am not. When was the last time you watched, like, TV3? Oh. Um, right? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Least, I don't know. Like, these like newspapers right like i still read the news i don't physically buy the newspaper but i will read news from legitimate news websites right yeah. but like who wants to be on tv you know <laughs> and who wants to be on radio <laughs> so to answer your question in the context of 2020 i would say in 2020 if you manage to establish yourself online and i'm not saying all the likes and all the follows, but to position yourself as the authority in a certain industry, like you, like if you present yourself as the authority, I'm just using you as an example, right? Yeah. If you present yourself as the authority in podcasting, then people will come to you. You know, if somebody wanted an expert opinion 
you could be the expert. I say this even though I'm like scrutinizing everybody online. Sometimes people will say something and I'll be like, who is this person? How is their opinion of any value? But that's basically how you do it. So to backtrack a little bit, right? And you say, oh, I've covered a lot of ground. Remember how I said something about how I was trying to cover all the bases and make sure I had enough skills to do different things, right? That actually takes quite a bit of work and quite a bit of research. And this article that I read years ago, I can't remember who wrote it, but it said that if you want to be seen as the expert in something, just write a book about it. So a lot of these like entrepreneurs who go and do like conferences and motivational talks or whatever, they're like, oh, why is this guy the expert? He literally wrote the book about it, right? But sometimes it's like you weren't even an expert when you wrote the book. You're just somebody who sat down and and did this and got an editor. But it helps, right? So like I would say fake it till you make it, which is what everybody tells you. So if you're trying to break into media in 2020, you want to make sure that you're doing it consistently enough. I'm sure you can think of so many examples right off the top of my head, right? There are all these Instagram photographers, right? Some of their photos are not great, but (laughs) they have a following. They have a nice expensive camera. They have good editing skills, right? And they have a following, you know, and then suddenly they're the expert on like travel photography. And then suddenly they're in an advertising campaign for some product that sells something to do with travel, right? So I would say in 2020, if I were to do it all over again, I would try and do that. It's funny because I know all these answers, but I don't put in the effort. So I guess that's the second part. You have to consistently churn out content, right? If anything from my 5,000 shares today has taught me that I actually, I kind of know what people are interested in. I just don't put the effort in putting out enough content to give people what they're interested in. You just brought up a weird question in my head. Uh, now that you brought this topic up about if you want to be the expert, write a book about it. Do you think that creating content like this over time to establish yourself as an authority figure has, one, lessened the barrier in trying to achieve that level of expert to be seen by others, and two, cheapened the definition of an expert? Because now everyone with enough content that they created can be uh-huh. an expert, right? Well, what are your thoughts on that? How would you balance yourself between being authentic and actually trying to create something that's valuable to other people and actually creating something that's like, oh, I'm just, you know, let me show you my 200 Instagram photos. So I would love to hear your take on that. It's funny because you said my comment brought up a question for you and then your question brought up something else that I wanted to say. Okay, let's break this down. First of all, I feel like the quality of your content matters And I hate that I know that it also kind of doesn't. I feel like a lot of people, exactly what you said, oh yeah, I've posted 200 posts on how to create a podcast. People will see me as an expert. But Mm. somebody who legitimately knows about podcasting could read your 200 posts and be like, no, this person does not know what they're talking about. Which is why you have like Donald Trump in power and you have (laughs) anti-vaxxers, right? It's It's like the sad, sad case of the world today. (laughs) right so like i know i know what your question is i don't have a valid answer because my opinion is boot at this point like i judge right but then i can't control what other people think so sadly you kind of have to play the game a little bit and now Hmm. this is where i'm going to tell you how your question has reminded me of something so a lot of people 
almost every interview I go to these days, a job interview, not, not content interview, right? Every interview I go for these days, people ask, oh, you've worked in media for so long. Why would you give that up? And the phrase like, give that up implies that, oh, I'm letting go of this big, great thing, right? When I actually don't feel that way, um, remember how I told you the story of my colleague in the t-shirt and all that? Yeah. So when my colleagues at my last job, they were like, what? What life is this that you had back home, right? They were like, did something happen? Did you murder somebody and now you're on the run, you know? Or like, did something super drastic happen? And I'm like, no. Nothing happened. I just had a pivotal moment where I met this lady, gave me this job opportunity, and then here I am, right? I was getting very jaded with coming up with content because, and you can see these examples very clearly in like BuzzFeed and CNN, right? CNN recently posted an article about how Eminem posted an album out of nowhere. And to me, that was very not CNN content, it was an obvious low-hanging fruit to try and appeal to the masses, even though I don't know if Eminem himself still appeals to the masses, right? Every time you see a BuzzFeed article, you'll see all these comments about people hating on it, but you still see them write it because people still read it and people love to hate it. So I was getting very jaded with media. I felt like I'm not an Instagram influencer, right? I don't, it's, 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 it is fun to post out like photos, I guess, but it's also very exhausting. I'll go on holiday and make my sister take a hundred photos of me. And then by the time I get home, I don't want to edit or post any of this. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like both fun, but not right. Like, you know, so I was getting very jaded. I, I was kind of fed up of the idea of like doing content for the sake of getting listeners or readers or watchers and viewers, right? As opposed to doing things that I kind of like, right? And I didn't like this constant competition. I didn't like the fact that like, oh, I was not getting jobs emceeing or getting paid as much as somebody else because I didn't have like 100,000 followers. It, so a few times it happened. Like people have asked me whether or not I want to emcee this event and I'll give them a quote. And they'll be like, oh, but uh, so-and-so is quoting the same amount. She's got 50,000 followers. And I'm like, yeah, because she posts like hot photos of herself every day. I don't do that. But also she doesn't speak for a living. You're like, they're not the same thing. How does the number of people following me on the internet have anything to do with how eloquently I can post your event? The logic is flawed, right? I kind of get where brands and like companies are coming from. Like I, I see, I see what they're trying to get at, but I, I, it's something I cannot provide, which is why after a while I was kind of like, Oh yeah, maybe I can work a job where I get paid for merit and like work as opposed to like how many people like a photo that I posted today. And also I ultimately felt like I was trying to learn something new. Like when you work in radio, you find that a lot of people have very specific skills through radio. Radio and podcasting, slightly different. I guess transferable skills, but still slightly different. And like I said, radio is dying. So a lot of people don't have different skill sets. It's kind of, it was kind of like a wake up call for me. Like observing, like people that I know personally who can't do much outside radio are relying on an industry that doesn't want them anymore in a way. Yeah. So, so that was another reason why I was like, yeah, I could easily give this up. 
So did you think that it was a lot more important for you to future-proof yourself by honestly, like just switching industries, right? Going straight oh, to yeah, tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thought. It's a thought that I have every single day. So I'll give you. Oh, I hate how everything revolves around COVID nineteen now, but it does. So a lot of my friends who were freelancing now are out of work. There are no events. Nobody's posting anything, right? Oh, if I was still doing. I keep thinking about it. Like if I was still freelancing, if I was still hosting shows. I would be completely out of work right now. Yeah. And people have bills to pay, right? And people have like kids and I, I don't have kids, but other people have kids and parents and dependents, right? And it's like really scary. So like every day I'm so thankful. Like I'm so relieved for not working in media full time. It's really fun. Media is very, very fun work, but it is terrifying to me what all these media folks that I know are going through now. Yeah, it's not exactly... Stable. Um, in compared to something that is much more predictable, like tech, and you know that spans into so many different subfields, yeah. right? It's not only right. just ad tech; it could be fintech or something else. When you're stuck in one field or one narrow-minded, uh, sorry, not narrow-minded, one narrow medium like radio, and you're only stuck in that one context, and you don't have the capability to transfer over to somewhere else, or you lack the will to do so. Yeah. It's a lot harder to protect yourself. So props to you for making a jump. <laughs> even if you say that it's by luck, in, in the end, even if it's by luck, it's up to you to decide, right? Whether you're going to move to Singapore, right? Whether you're going to say yes from your friend, Sammy, who would give you that offer. Is there any advice that you could give to someone who may want to future-proof themselves from graduating? Or, well, maybe not like two years in business school full-time at the same time, but maybe a little bit more safer. I, I, I wouldn't do that again. I would not. I did not sleep for years. Uh, this is a question that I find my friends sometimes don't get, but like a lot of my friends do as well. Because of the internet, almost everything is accessible these days. There are a million and one courses and you could just sit like some of them are free. Like some, I think like Harvard just released like all their like e-learning courses for free or something like that. Yeah, yeah. edX you know? is all free. Yeah, edX is free, right? Uh, Skillshare is giving people two months. Domestica is like having sales. Like I think you can do like a Twitter, even in ad tech, right? I think you can do a Twitter search. There's this company called the Trade Desk. You can go and do their search. You can do all the Google search online for free as well. There's no excuse to not educate yourself or equip yourself. Like Tiffany Haddish, I don't know if you're a fan, I am. And in like one of her stand-ups, she said how she turned down like a degree at NYU because she realized she could learn everything on YouTube without having to pay, which is to some extent very true. Like not in corporate. I guess like corporate still wants to see that piece of paper that says you had a degree. But like there is so much that you can learn. Like how many people learn how to play the guitar or piano from watching YouTube or learned how to edit videos. I learned how to set up podcasting gear from YouTube. <laughs> and you just have to keep educating yourself. And even if you don't have the on-paper experience, you have to keep hustling and going to interviews. And then once you get your foot in the door, in the door you need to be able to explain yourself like oh i may not have eight years of digital marketing experience but i have all these other skills that i think would be useful to your company right so i think that would be it 
And especially building a body of work that serves as your yeah, so, actual cert or degree instead yeah, of... Well, yeah, well, and also, I mean, there are things you need to prove, right? Like, like you can't just say, oh, I learned how to edit from... You have to have your own portfolio. One of my friends were saying how she's too lazy to compile a portfolio because she's not getting paid for it. But this is a real, like, chicken and egg situation because you need the portfolio to get hired to get paid to do these things. I guess... <laughs> I guess my short answer is don't be lazy. Well, okay, right. That's uh, pretty sound advice for anyone who is about to start their career and wanting to dive into either the media industry or the media industry of 2020 where you can really stand out by creating your own like corner of the internet or like try to decorate it in your own way. Yeah. Um, Go be a TikTok star. Just try not to be on <laughs> And on the note of, oh, actually, on, I just remembered something. On the note of learning to play guitar on YouTube, I think it was Sean Mendes that started doing that. Like, that's how he started. Yeah, yeah. He started with, like, cover videos on YouTube, but and then he became famous in four to five years. And then now he's, let's like, be doing... honest, tour. right? Sean Mendes is also famous because of what he looks like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, like, if he had a paper bag on him while he's doing his YouTube channel, he probably wouldn't be selling up yeah. tickets for concerts. But still... Right, no, no. Combination of luck, you have to be discovered and and all that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, try not to let vanity take over your uh, or influence your career decisions. As no, I was just yeah. teasing though. Like qual- stuff to, <laughs> stuff to, uh, there's a Judge Judy quote that I love. She says, um, "Beauty fades, dumb is forever." So stay smart, please. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. and of course, make sure to educate yourself a lot. Now. JD, I have a few segments left for you just to wrap things up. So first part is called mementos. Do you have a memento that represents who you are? Oh, oh no, so many things have happened to me. (laughs) Uh, Are we talking work? Are we talking... Uh, No, you, personally. Okay, I can... Oh, I have one. I Mm. I forgot. Well, mm, it's it's not something that motivated me. It's just something that I thought was funny, right? So when I was in secondary school, I want to say form four or form five, like around the end of secondary school, right? There was this guy in my class who took part in like a global essay contest. I know he definitely didn't win, but he took part. And he asked the English teacher to go through his essay and asked her for help editing it, right? Mm. And this woman, oh, I, I generally don't like school teachers. So this woman, <laughs> um, she, like, while she was praising him, right, she took it upon herself to insult me by saying something along the lines of, like, oh, yeah, JD wants to do so many things, but she doesn't want to put the effort into it, implying that I was lazy and didn't didn't want to take part in this contest or whatever. And I kind of felt like, eh? <laughs> like mm. why would you like as an adult now like when you're 17 or 16 you don't really think too much about it right like you're immature yourself but like now i look back and i'm like why would any grown-ass woman say that <laughs> to a child right like it's not even like i i said something obnoxious and she was putting me in my place she just decided to pick on me and call me lazy and say that i wouldn't go places because I was not putting the effort all because I didn't ask for her opinion or obviously did not value her opinion now, but like, you know, like it was, it was super uncalled for. 
And it was something that did not motivate me at all because I did not care about her opinion still. But I thought it was hilarious how, oh yeah, just three years ago, this woman said this. And then I became the youngest radio announcer in the country because I won a contest and beat like so many people in the country. Like, like what? Like, why would you? You know, so like, like most people. And then when you read success stories, right, of all these like basketballers and businessmen, they always quote some teacher or some relative, some adult who wronged them and they were on a mission to like prove them wrong and show their worth. And like, it's very funny to me because I've never had any of those motivations. I just think that it's funny how like someone can make a remark like that and it can just turn out to not be true entirely. I like how your memento is essentially like an oxymoron, right? It's like, oh, she was making fun of you. Eh, it didn't happen too bad. <laughs> yeah, like, like, so like, like, like water off a duck's back, right? Like I, like people insult me all the time. Oh my God. Like so many people have been so rude to me. One lady, again, there are a lot of stupid adults when I was a teenager. Some lady <laughs> who was a friend's mom, or rather I'm not friends with her anymore. But this lady basically called one of my friends good looking and then called me ugly. (laughs) She said, I I don't understand why. (laughs) But she called me ugly. She said my face was very flat. I know this is a podcast, so you can't see what I look like. But she basically, she said it to my, she was trying to praise my friend, right? And she goes, she, she sings my friend all these praises and how pretty she is and how great she looks. And then she looked at me and she was like, Oh, sorry to say, uh, this one, uh, uh, you know, uh, her face is very flat. Okay. Like, so again, I was like, okay, that was rude, but like, why? Like, and then I, and a few years later, I come out in a men's magazine. Like, yeah, it's, it, okay. So I think, I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but I think the point is that like, you shouldn't be so hung up about what people say. Like, if you didn't have something in you to go the distance, right? People wouldn't go out of their way to insult. Like, people, even if you can't see them, like, I think that's an underlying sign that, like, I was meant for greatness because all these people felt the need to put me down out of nowhere, right? So, so the memento is more along the lines of, like, yeah, it's funny how life works out. Not so much that I was offended and out to prove these people wrong, but it's, like, you don't know where you're going to end up. Like a few people have asked me, somebody asked me a few days ago if my former like radio friends called me a sellout for like moving to tech. And I was like, no, like quite the opposite. Somebody asked me, when a few people asked me when I was in Google if I could hook them up for collaborative projects with Google. And I was kind of like, you have no idea how small I am in this like company, number one. And number two, Google is not interested in your tiny product that has no back like what like what is the thought process behind this (laughs) you know i think that was the point the point is you don't know where you're going to end up if people are saying nasty things to you out of nowhere that's probably a good indicator that you are seen as some sort of a threat in a way even if you don't realize you know how people are all about energies and manifesting and the law of attraction that's like the hippy dippy thing of the moment right if you want this to come true, you have to focus your mental energy on it and then it will it will come it will manifest and be yours. And I think I didn't do that, or if I did that, it was subconscious for sure. And you know, there was no me going power posing and me like 
desperate to be something or other. Like it, it just happened, you know? So like, it's probably a good sign if people are saying bad things to you. But I think the funniest part, oh, this is a better moment though. I don't know why I didn't say it earlier. You, you can scratch everything I just said. In the entirety of my childhood, right? Because kids are not very imaginative when they're mocking people. They used to call me DJ JD, right? Why? Because my name is JD, right? So they call me DJ. Like, like it was, kids are not very imaginative. You're not very creative when it comes to teasing people. I was called Jedi. I was called JD Virus. But I was also always called DJ JD. And then when I went for this 5M thing and they shortlisted these five people, one of the tasks that you had to do, right, for this two-week competition was to come up with like a promo liner that would play on the station on repeat. And the question was, why should you be Fly FM's next DJ? So all these other contestants and finalists would say things like, oh, because I'm really fun. Oh, because I'm kind of cool. Oh, because I have jokes or whatever it was. And mine was, oh, you should vote for me to be your next Fly FM DJ because then my name would be DJ JD. And guess what? Obviously, I hated it as a child, but it worked out. Have <laughs> you ever thought that kids teasing you back then is it what allowed you to start your career? Like, that's the strangest yes, thing. All their collective energies of mocking me has amounted to a career. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that might be related to the next thing I was going to ask, which is something called walkaway wisdom. So say uh, that we walk away from this conversation right now and I go and meet somebody. I become friends with them and in the process of deepening my relationship with them, I get vulnerable and I tell them part of my life and part of my life is this conversation right now. I guess maybe it's a little bit of a mix of everything that you just said prior, but is there a piece of wisdom that I can tell them that represents who you are? Oh my gosh. Such a deep question for such a shallow person. Uh, <laughs> now I'm more interested in the answer now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. oh, I'm so excited. Nobody's ever asked me for my, my wisdom this way. People think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think life, a lot of it is about hits and misses, right? You'll see a lot of people trying to be famous online will put out content that is really bad but at least they're trying right and i feel like you can't just keep trying the one same thing you've got to try different things so i think that is what has worked for me i've tried so many things that i suck at i can't cook you already heard that part uh <laughs> but I, I i i'm i'm pretty all right at talking shit on a microphone so <laughs> so try everything i think the trick is to try everything and when you try everything to give it 100%. I realized in life, like I haven't had any regrets for things that I've been rejected from or on. And that's because it was never for lack of trying. Like if I auditioned for a show and I didn't get it, or if I interviewed for a job and they give you an assignment and I don't get the job, right? To me, at least on my, what I can control is trying and like giving it like a full amount of effort. So every time I get rejected, because it happens very often, the, the, the best consolation I have for myself is that it wasn't for lack of trying. Like I did, the reason I didn't get it was not within my control. So that would be my, my parting wisdom. So try everything and try everything with as much effort as you can. All right. That is 
probably a really nice thing to take away, a really nice piece of wisdom to take away with. And I have one special question for you. Oh, no, uh, no. From yes, there is more. Yes, just a little bit more. Just this last okay. one. Uh, from our mutual friend Simon Lee, he asks, <laughs> "If you had a choice, would you want a a successful career, b to be insanely famous, or c to find a life partner and you can only choose one?" I know this is me. Oh my god! Okay, so so for context, for those of you listening. Simon is my friend from radio that I've known for over 10 years now. We used to work at 5M together and we now both work in ad tech. We talk to each other almost every other day. He knows my family. Actually, he sees my family more often than I see either my family or him because they all live in Sumatra. <laughs> 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 uh, um, and he is mocking me because work has gone fairly well on my part, but Obviously, among all my friends, I am not married, but I don't care. Eliminate C. Um, Eliminate C. I think, okay. I think I'd, I'd, I'd go with successful career if success if success is defined as me liking what I do and making a good amount of money for it. Also, it's kind of ironic because if you are very successful in your career, I guess you get some fame out of it too. But being famous is not the intention. Ironically enough, if you work in media, the fame brings you more success. So it's a double-edged sword, but definitely a. <laughs> I'd rather die alone, <laughs> but I'd be like <laughs> swimming in my vault of cash without dependents mooching off me. <laughs> what an answer! <laughs> and I like uh, I like that you call it a double-edged sword. I wonder if that's why you left the media industry, just because it's like an inverse, right? Like to be. Richer in media, you'd probably have to be more famous. You have to have more eyes on you, but right. In tech, but that being that being said, though, like, don't judge me or call me out if I ever do go back to media and become a big sellout. Right? Like, <laughs> so, so remember how I told you, like, I got five thousand shares. I keep bringing it up, not because it's exciting, but because mm. people keep telling me about it, and people go, "Oh, you're such an influencer," and I'm like. You know this is not exciting because I haven't made any money out of it, and I'm yeah. not going to. Like if I made money out of five thousand shares, I'd be excited, right? But I'm not going to make money. So it's not exciting. <laughs> there's no, there's no value added to my life in this sense. Yeah, you just get called a netizen on like some yeah, Malaysian YouTube, and, that, and that's Facebook. pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get random. I get random Facebook friend requests. That's all I. Get. That's it. <laughs> but yes, if you'd like me to make your post go viral, I will try. <laughs> but you have to pay me. <laughs> and of course, with the price of fame comes the price of getting viral. JD, there are no whips or nays, but we can still watch you on all of your freelancing gigs. <laughs> As well as your career in tech and ad tech in Singapore. Yes, I'm taking that copy from your website, so don't 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 kill me for it. Where <laughs> can we find you if we want to reach out to you and ask you about things? It's jd.tv. That's j a y d e e dot tv. If you're trying to remember how it's named, my parents named me after Jack Daniels. Really? <laughs> yeah, you're weirdos. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> questions. Like, like it's real. So, okay. So here's my other thing. I haven't like, that's why I said, I haven't done a good job representing myself on the internet or in real life or on LinkedIn or whatever, because I do have a lot of silly anecdotes that when I meet people, they go, what? That's so crazy. But yeah. it's like, like, I think that it's your own life. You don't think of it that way. And then you're like, why would anybody be interested in this? Oh, this is a very useful thing that I learned from radio that you might want to edit and make it come out earlier. I, like, well, it's your show. I shouldn't tell you what to do. So on radio at the job from hell, I did learn one very interesting thing, which was um, whenever you're trying to think of content to put out, right? You have to ask yourself one quick question. And that is, who cares? It's funny because every radio announcer knows this. They don't apply it. Every journalist knows this. They also sometimes don't. When I was working for The Star, uh, this guy, his name is Lohan. He used to edit my stories. Lohan would always tell everybody, think of yourself, read your article like a reader and not the writer. And it's like so to the point, but people wouldn't get it. And then you go on radio, the boss will say, oh, make sure people find your content interesting. Again, people hear it, but they don't get it. So I feel like who cares is a more succinct question. And it's got a good tone to it. Like, who gives a shit about what you have to say? <laughs> and I think my flaw is that a lot of times I think of something and I'm like, yeah, nobody cares about this. But then I tell people and they laugh, which is like, oh, maybe I should start telling people about these things. You should. I mean, I'm learning quite a lot. Like, even if it's these small oh. tidbits that you've learned from radio or from jobs from hell or from maybe the lessons that you've learned like going from place to place and even the transition to a different career that's still a lot and i would still learn about it uh personally it makes me happy that you said that it makes me so happy that you said you're learning a lot of things i wanted um while i was transitioning in my careers i actually did think of becoming like a university lecturer or something Mm. and like my mom who is an actual associate professor she was like no you would kill <laughs> you would strangle all the students you don't have the patience for it so i like the idea of teaching people but i've been told by the person who supposedly knows me best that i don't have it in me <laughs> to teach people that's okay you can always teach people in your own unique way jd thank you so much for coming onto the show and i will talk to you soon thanks bye And that is it, my chat with J.D. Locke. From starting a career as a radio DJ after quitting law school to lots of transitions through positions within various media companies throughout Malaysia and making the career transition to tech in Singapore. A combination of luck and decision-making, J.D. does a lot. Known as a jack-of-all-trades, master of some, I feel like I've learned a lot from J.D. in not only how media companies have worked throughout the past few years and from her perspective, growing up in that kind of career, starting her career in that industry, but knowing about the different intricacies of radio, of the volatility of radio presenters if they suddenly get retrenched or suddenly get fired and they lose their job, like what do they do? And the closeness of a community of people who are working in radio, working in the audio industry, Finding a way to get a foot into that door through a body of work is one of the best ways to start off your career and attract luck, just as JD would. We went through a lot of topics, so I hope you learned a lot from what JD has to say. And if you did, all is well. Stay warm, stay lovely, and I will see you in the next episode. Your foolish friend, Norm.
Thank you for listening to the show. Anti-Fool is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Norman Cella. You can find out more about the show at thatsthenorm.com slash antifool. It's where I host all my other podcast shows and more. The music and sound effects come from zapsplat.com. If you have any questions, recommendations for guests, and more, hit me up on Twitter at normancella or on LinkedIn as well. There is only one of me in the world. I'm sure you can find me there. I love connecting with people and having warm, meaningful conversations. (laughs) Don't be foolish, all right? Cheers.